the startup capital of the UK, Silicon Valley by the sea, Brighton is home to some of the most creative minds developing disruptive and purpose-led businesses. You're listening to the Brighton Startup Podcast, the show that brings you exclusive interviews with the founders, CEOs, and investors of the most exciting Brighton businesses today. With your host, Chetan Padia. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're talking to Hassan, who's co-founder of Ref6, the go-to app for football referees. Hi, Hassan. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. Excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your company? Sure. So my name is Hassan. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ref6. Uh, I'll start with the business first. We have created an app for football or soccer referees. It's to help referees track and manage their career. So they use a smartwatch during a game to record things that happen in a game, like goals, cards, and substitutions. And all of that gets saved on their phone for viewing afterwards, as well as performance data, such as like their heat map and how far they run. So I hate doing comparisons, but we're kind of like Strava for referees. And that's what we do. And that's what the business is. In terms of me, my background, I have a computer science background, but I'm not a coder. Uh, I fell into kind of user experience and really loving the role of a user experience designer and actually think it's actually paramount to any digital business. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what, I, what I've done and what I've trained in. Um, I did that at American Express, which if you're from Brighton, you know, is one of the biggest employees around, led kind of a UX team at American Express for a couple of years and then decided to start a business. The main reasons for starting a business were I was actually doing an MBA at the time and realized that all the things that I was learning, it would probably take me another 10, 15 years to be in a position at American Express where I could actually put any of that into practice. And at about this time was just just so much talk about startups and the ecosystem in Brighton was just starting to develop. Uh, and kind of uh, an opportunity occurred at American Express where I could leave. Uh, and I thought, yeah, it's time to time to go. And always had this idea for this business around referee. So can you tell us where that idea came from? Like, when was this and where did that idea come from? Sure. So I'm actually a football referee, a grassroots referee myself. And the idea came literally on the second day of the course I was doing. It was about, it was, I think, 2008, 2009. The iPhone was just like launched and the app store was just kind of followed up there. And everything we were doing in our lives was starting to become digital and through your phone. And so I had this idea that, hey, why am I writing stuff down as a referee now? Why, why can't it be on my phone? So initially, the idea was a referee would use their phone during a match. And that was actually my university dissertation. And, and I was like, cool, put it together, got a good mark, um, left it. <laughs> left it on the side and thought, you know, it's a cool idea. There's a lot of things around football that are traditional. And so realistically, a referee running around with a phone on their, on their, their wrist, it wasn't something that was going to fly. So we left it there. I started a, a, a full-time career in uh, American Express. And then the reason we kind of reignited that idea was uh, actually just another Apple product. The Apple Watch came out. And all of a sudden, the Apple Watch was like the perfect form factor for that whole concept and idea of the thing that I wanted on a phone. How can we put that on a watch? And actually, things that came in the technology 
expanded the idea even further, right? So we never had this concept of creating a heat map and showing where a referee was on the pitch. But because the watch came with a GPS sensor, all of a sudden we could do that. So even the technology enabled us to build to see the first vision, but then actually enabled us to create even bigger vision for what we're trying to do. Nice. So you managed to sort of sit on the idea until it was exactly the right time and then and then release it then, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, do I still think it's the right time? I think we're still a little bit early to, to the market. We're trying to do we're trying to change a, a behavior, which if anyone who's ever started a business is trying to change a behavior, is probably one of the hardest things to do. So yeah, it was it was a case of just a perfect storm in terms of my career at the company was uh, it was kind of at a point where I was ready to leave. The the hardware came out and I had already had this idea and I've been thinking about it for years and years. So like the idea was very well formed, <laughs> you know, all these new features or new ideas that I had over that eight, nine year period were, 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 were in my head ready to go. So it was just a perfect storm. So you said like you actually still might be a little bit early. So what's the, what's the kind of perfect scenario and what's the kind of vision where like ref six is kind of really, really successful? That's a great question. It's something we're, we're tackling with every day. In truth, the, the biggest challenge we have right now is smartwatches are expensive. We think the technology is exactly where it needs to be. Like the Apple watch series five, even the series four is just the perfect amount of every form of sensors and battery life etc and screen slices the technology is there the cost is still prohibitive for many of the users that we're trying to target right so what we've changed our kind of mindset about is how do we become the app that's more designed to create a community of referees and give them features that a subset of that community might be interested in so it doesn't necessarily mean that hey you're a referee, you need to use our watch version of our app. But hey, you're a referee, you should use our app. And if you would like to, you can use the watch version. So what that means is we need to create different forms of value for the refereeing community in different ways. So before we were an app for referees to track, how can we be an app for referees that tracks, that does other things and just foster that community. So that's kind of the the change in our mindset as we've evolved and that enables us to to target all the whole refereeing community and look for insights from those users on what value we can offer. So from a success perspective, like what does success look like to that for us in that? And I'm pretty confident you're gonna ask something like this later. So I'll start, which is um, one of the major things that we're looking to do and i mentioned the word community is how do we turn it into more of a social experience for referees at the moment i can see my data but how can i see other referees data and share and comment and like and things like that so that's the key thing that we're working on and that to me is to answer your question about what does success look like it will be launching that and seeing the growth and the the growth in number of users and the growth in usage of our product based on what we think is a, a really core insight that we've got, which is referees want to feel part of a bigger community. So I think that and what you were talking about just before about the pricing structure, I think kind of segues nicely into my next question, which is about your customers. So how did you get the first customers for your products? You, you know, people think a lot of the time that footballs are very much a sort of big money thing. That's the first thing that people think that there's a lot of money in it. But actually, you're saying the price point was too high. So can you tell us more about your target market, what it initially is and where you see that going? Sure. 
what people don't know about refereeing is you're a referee at the top level. You've yeah. been a referee at the bottom level because there's a career path. You got you start at the bottom and you work your way up. Unlike being a footballer where, yes, you start in youth football, but you could get scouted by Man U and get put into the first team or the academy overnight, right? So it's a very different career path. So we, we understand that. And what we focused on is the referees at the kind of lower levels of that ladder, mainly because it's, it's more of a pyramid than a ladder, but um, mainly because there's a, a vast number there and they have less support than the people right at the top. So those are the, that was the core focus. So hence why the price point is too high, because the, we're talking about your, your, your normal referees who are going out on a Sunday. If you drive past your park, they're going to be the ones in the middle of that, that field. Um, so who are our customers? It's grassroots referees. Um, how do we get them in the first place was all about, you know, there's loads of stories about, you know, Dropbox and, and other people doing these very minimum kind of the MVP minimum viable products or, you know, just validating. Is there a need? Um, Kickstarter was around and all of these things. And all we did was. Uh, something similar. We turned up to a football field. We recorded a referee using, like, interacting with a watch and used Adobe After Effects to, you know, put over some images of what it could look like, put it on a website, uh, got people to uh, pre-order with a watch and a subscription model. So we're testing out the pricing model as well and just put it on some groups on Facebook. You know, put, put it on a website and then put it on some groups on Facebook and said, hey, you know, this is a product that we've built. You know, it's coming in three to six months. Do you want to buy it? And we've got people sign up and actually paying money, pre-ordering for, uh, for, for the product. So that was that was how we first got our first customers. That's such a brilliant example of how to test an idea before it's ready. And, and I think that's a that's a lesson that, you know, I think every startup uh, needs needs to kind of learn and do better at like I mean I think you did a really good job of that it's amazing I mean the only thing I would say that I I, th I don't think we did do well was um, one we didn't spend any money on marketing so I think if we spent a little bit more and understood Facebook ads more we might have got even more pre-orders but what we didn't do internally was figure out what number was success is it selling 10 is it selling 50 is it selling a thousand so we should have done that before to really benchmark and say, like, what's the go, no go? We just were like, yeah, this is just the first stage. We knew we were going to do it anyway. We didn't use it as like a go, no go thing. So I don't know. I don't know. That might be something other people would, would want to consider. Oh, maybe maybe you would have done that anyway. So how many did you sell at that point? Oh, that's a great question. I think it was around 50, uh, which is not huge, but literally we, we – Baked into the pricing model, the the hardware that we weren't actually going to make money on. We were going to buy it off the shelf, load our app onto it and send it. Um, so we priced in the hardware. And so we sold 50. But the beauty with the 50 was it was from five or six different countries. So all of a sudden we were like, OK, these are really super early adopters, right, who, who want to who, who are happy to part with some money. Um, at this really early, even pre like alpha stage, right? Um, but the fact that it was coming from a variety of different countries was really interesting because all of a sudden we were like, okay, it's not just the 28, 30,000 referees in England who are interested in this. It could be the 1 million referees all around the world that are interested in this. So it, it validated some aspects of, of what we were hoping to do. So can you tell us a moment in your business that you're really proud of maybe that was it but uh maybe you've got some others that you'd like to tell us about god uh, 
it's a roller coaster running a business and starting a business. So you have highs and lows and they come at different velocities and different <laughs> heights and, and depths. Certain things that are really interesting, the first investor we raised money from, because we, we, we knew we needed to raise money to be able to get this going. So the first investor we raised, we went and kind of pitched at this event. And he his first question he asked was, hey, you need to integrate with MOAS. And like no one has a clue what MOAS is. MOAS is the match official administration system from the FA. It's a referee specific tool. And like how was an investor asking me this question? He must know refereeing. Turns out he owned a grassroots football club. He used to be a referee and, and made some money in, in business. And he became our first investor and he's our investor director. So it wasn't the fact that he invested. It was the fact that he asked that question was just like, a high in itself because I was like, okay, cool. I've found someone who knows what we're trying to do um, and can see what we're trying to do. So uh, that was that was like a really early, quite specific example of a, a, a height. Um, a lot of the highs are around specifically, you know, raising uh, investment from some of the investors we've got. We've got a really good caliber of a uh, pool of investors and uh, add more way more than just money they're adding like expertise and 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 value that we we couldn't even imagine but the major thing is you know seeing referees uh, use our app and actually just looking at the analytics and seeing how many matches get refereed every week and in which country and at what level so that like every week it changes because the numbers keep going up the number of countries keep changing. You know, I get referees messaging me on Facebook that I've never heard of before in different countries. And they're saying thanks for this product um, and giving feedback about what to improve. So it's more a consistent basis. The, the high for me now is just the value that we're giving to our customers. The fact that when we've had occasions where the service hasn't been good enough, for example, like one weekend our servers went down, you know, completely messed us up. and happened to be when me and my co-founder were on holiday the same week never do that um both on holiday the same week and we were both traveling that day and the fact that we were getting messages saying stuff like man i'm so unhappy that i have to go back to the old way of doing things what is the best validation and the best high you can get <laughs> in, in that aspect from a product person so yeah so is do you, do you think that weekend where your servers went down is that like one of your worst moments? There's one thing I wanted to ask you is like is there some uh, is there a time when you can think of that was particularly awful in in, in the process of running the company? So like I said that it's a roller coaster there's a lot of debts. When you disappoint your customers, it's probably the the most stressful scenario especially when something's down and you and maybe because you can't figure it out and um, that, that's highly stressful. Um, and you, you, everything goes through your mind. Oh, what's our reputation like damage? Will I lose customers? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Is that the worst moment in time? I don't know what is. Like, there's never been something crazy that's happened. There's not been a competitor come out overnight and been like completely crushed us. There's been loads of times where, you know, we've been in meetings and people have said no or oh, I'd never use this or you know, I don't want to invest. That's just normal. If you don't build resilience to those things, you're just going to get highly depressed very quickly. Um, and it takes you have to learn how to deal with those. It, it's not easy starting away. Um, but yeah, so there's never been something in my 
in the business that was like, wow, we're at rock bottom right now. I don't know if that's too, it's too calm, if it's luck, if it's good management. Probably the worst thing that's happened is more from how we've managed. So we hired a developer really early on when we got the investment and she stayed with us for a couple of years and was great. And we, I think we mismanaged, uh, me and my business partner, we mismanaged, we got too comfortable and she left earlier this year. And we've learned a lot from that process because we, we did an exit interview. We're, we're great friends with her, but she gave us a load of feedback on, you know, why why we can keep her why we can get her to stick around and we've implemented a lot of the learnings from that with new employees that we've uh, replaced her with and actually grown to um that's the biggest uh that was the worst moment for me because it was like actually a lot of it's down to people but it was a lot rested on my shoulders because uh, we could have we could have stopped this from happening but actually it was also a good point because we learned a ton from it that sets us up going forward as well so it's a, a good thing and a bad thing at the, at the same time and that's a really healthy attitude you know just saying well what have we done wrong and how can we improve from this i think is super super healthy and and maybe not everyone does that and i think that will, that will hopefully stand you in good stead in the future so i know you're from brighton but what's it like running a global facing business from brighton the beauty of our business is I, I think we could run it anywhere. And I guess this is what this this pandemic is showing that we can we can even run it from home. We just love Brighton, right? I was born in Brighton, I grew up in Brighton. The only time I've left is for university. Everyone who works for us has been people who've moved to Brighton for other jobs and then moved to us. But like there's something about Brighton that's just I think every one of your interviewees has said the same thing. It's just the culture. It's just a lovely place to work. The weirdest thing that when I moved to uni, I was in the Midlands, that I missed was the sea. I never went to the beach, really. But knowing the direction <laughs> and knowing the seas there and, and the, the wind, I guess, or the breeze you get from the sea is like, it's really impactful. I don't know why. Um, but other than that, it's just, yeah, culturally, there's something about Brighton that just makes it unique and different. And I think that's why we have, you know, the only green MP in the country. You know, it, it, it's a reflection of the, the kind of liberal culture that, that exists in Brighton and, and all of that. And you know what? The best thing is the food. The food is incredible. Like the restaurants that pop up, all these individual shops, uh, it's amazing. And I think, you know, the lanes is a big part of Brighton, right? The lanes, that all the the independent shops that exist. And I think that that kind of shows that there's always been a, an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset of the, the, the town and the city because, you know, these, these shops wouldn't exist any other place. You know, the lanes fosters that that community. And I think that's led into more of the digital side and all the things. So yeah, to me, it's just culture. I, I wouldn't change it. My girlfriend's trying to make me move at the moment, uh, but <laughs> I will, we will still keep our office in Brighton no matter what. So I want to ask you, what are you most excited about at the moment? So I alluded to it earlier, which is around community. Um, we, we've just got tons and tons of pretty groundbreaking ideas that we want to do in terms of our app where it's not just a tracking product anymore it's it's a community it's a development tool we basically want to own the market around refereeing and and add value to every referee whether you use one feature or you use 10 features and this opportunity so this situation we're in right now with covid is a game changer for a lot of businesses, right? For us, very simply, no football, we offer no value to our customers. 
right? So all of a sudden we could sit back and say, oh, how do we put our business on pause till football comes back? That's one strategy that we could adopt. And it's completely correct if you wanted to go down that route. What we've decided to do is use this opportunity to figure out what are the extra features that we need to add? How do we test them? How do we validate them? And how do we build relationships with other businesses that help, help us deliver all of those things? So we're using this time as an opportunity. And I'm, I'm super excited right now because all of the major things that we've been pausing on our backlog for months and months and months, and, and it's not years, we've been able to define them all, accelerate the development, the design, and actually work with or, or start working with partners that can help facilitate all of them. So all of a sudden, this backlog that we probably were going to wait a couple of years to get into the market, we're going to try and accelerate for when we hope football resumes, which is later this year or early next year. Um, so that's what I'm super excited about is the way we've reacted to the situation and actually hoping that we've got a strategy in place to ride through it, number one, and then two, use it as an opportunity as a massive springboard to get us to a much better place than we would have been if we just continued as, as we were going. So that's what I'm excited about. A long-winded answer, but um, but uh, yeah, super excited. Once again, I'm loving that approach and that sort of positive outlook on it. Um, so you mentioned a, like a lot of things that you could be working on, a lot of things that are in the backlog that you're that you're now looking at. So there's a lot of things you could be doing, but what are you choosing to focus on? And therefore, what's your kind of big need at the moment? That's a great question. What we've been specifically focusing on is actually what what we're really bad at is delegating. Me and my business partner are really bad at delegating and finding and working with other people that can help speed us along. We, we always look at the pound sign and think, actually, we can do it. Um, it might just take us longer, but we can do it ourselves without without needing to work with other people. And that's not really a healthy approach because actually we can get things done a lot quicker. We've got the cash to be able to do it. So we're using this time to work with experts in their areas um, to help move us along quicker. So like experts in gamification, um, better designers than myself, even though I like to be a good designer, I found better designers that are just going to set us up even better uh, and so so on and so forth. So it's more the biggest need right now is we're, we're analyzing all the different experts that we, we're looking for and we're finding them and working with them. Um, so it doesn't really answer your question, but that's what we're doing. Uh, in terms of our biggest need, it's it's, you know, it's really something that unfortunately the community can't give us, which is a date for when football might restart, because then we can plan a little bit around that. Um, the, so, so yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the the challenge for us right now is is knowing roughly when football will start, because then we can plan accordingly. But the beauty again with the situation is, no matter if you're Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or someone who runs a coffee shop in Hove. We're all going through this situation together and have no idea what to do, like or what what's coming, right? And 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 that makes me feel uh, not happy because every you know it's a horrible situation everyone's going through, but it makes it gives me comfort that I'm in the same like no one of my advisors or investors or no one of like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg is in a better position or worse position than me because we're all in the same boat. We have no idea what's happening. Biggest need is a bit of certainty would be nice, but it doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. 
yeah in some ways there's some comfort in the fact that we all share the exact same need that you have yeah yeah i mean it, it's exactly that and you know yesterday was my my birthday and i ended up spending it in my garden and and things like that and it's like we're going through a completely different world than than we we expected when you know the bells rang on at you know rang in 2020 this is completely you know we're writing this year off uh, effectively and as long as everyone can stay safe and uh, uh, that's the major thing but yeah from a business standpoint we are absolutely going through a crazy ride even the biggest roller coaster that anyone could imagine right absolutely i think that's a good summary of what's going on in the business world at the moment hassan firstly happy birthday for yesterday and thanks very much for joining us it's been really fascinating to talk to you Thank you very much for all the work that you and Christina are doing. It's great to get uh, Brighton businesses on the map and, and getting the voice out there. So thanks for everything you're doing. Excellent. Thanks very much. Cheers. You've been listening to the Brighton Startup Podcast. Be sure to check us out at brightonstartup.com and join us next week for another episode as we continue to discover Brighton's most exciting startups and the people behind them. Bye.